Hey, this is Sean Romero, and you're listening to Everyday Leaders 50 and 50 with Melanie A. This is Everyday Leaders. I'm your host, Melanie Ake. Everyday Leaders is an inspirational show to help you develop strategies to overcome everyday obstacles in your life. Today's guest will share the disciplines that he's practicing every day that is allowing him to achieve a life of success. Today's Everyday Leader teaches the power of awareness and how sometimes being in the danger zone brings your life into perspective. His inspiration comes from knowing that all of us have the power to turn our lives from a worm into a butterfly. This powerful leadership lesson is one that you too can apply every day to live your life with success. Sean Romero is my guest today. Everyday Leaders 50 and 50, show 14 of 2019 starts now. Welcome to the program, Sean Romero, Everyday Leaders 50 and 50. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Melanie. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you very, very much. Yeah, this is awesome. You know, I really do pull in some of my John Maxwell team every now and again (laughs) because there's so much passion (laughs) in our soul, right? We want to help people. We have this this message that we have to get out. And what I love about you and connecting is you really focus on men's leadership development. And I think that is so critical today as as what I'm learning about leadership. But tell me about your brand as Sean Romero and focusing on men's leadership. What has gotten you to this point to really want to add value to this space? Uh, Yes, ma'am. So, you know, with Faithfully Led, I created Faithfully Led uh, right just after I I got divorced uh, last year. And uh, when I exited the military after 17 and a half years and, um, you know, having to go through that whole experience and, and I was doing a lot of research on, just, you know, you know, just what's happening in men with men, you know, just suicide rates and, and things like that. And it really, really disturbed me because a lot of the trends and a lot of the, the, the data that I was getting was really just showing that, you know, there was just, there's just this big stigma on men, you know, mm-hmm. and even me coming from the military, you know, and, and I, and the military, and I'm also a private pilot and I flew for the air force for a little bit. So, you know, as a, you know, and I was a mechanic, I was a, I was a crew chief on F-16. So, you know, there, it's a very, very male dominant career field mm-hmm. and it's a very machismo, you know, fighter pilots, you know, all this other stuff. And, but, uh, you know, Top Gun, right? Stigma, <laughs> it's Top Gun. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's just that stigma that's on men that, mm-hmm. that they, Hey, you gotta, you, you gotta pull you, you know, you gotta put your proverbial big boy pants on and this, mm-hmm. that, and the third. And, but then you have society sitting here telling you that, Hey, you know, you need to be more uh, nice and, and you're being too toxic and things like that. It just creates all this confusion and it, and men just certain turns around and just say, Hey, you know what? You know, some guys just throw their hands up, say I'm done mm-hmm. and they check out. And you know, that that's very disturbing because as a society, you know, everyone has their place and men have to set those standards for their place, especially in families and then, you know, in careers or, or what have you. And right now that is just really being convoluted and just being very blurred that that line, that standard. And it's very frustrating to a lot of men. And I know I went through a very se- severe anxiety and depression period. And I, I understood that firsthand. 
And so, you know, I, I prayed on it and, you know, I asked the Lord to really just, you know, ask me what I needed to do, where, where he wanted me to go. And, you know, it, I really just came to my heart that, you know, using my John Maxwell uh, experience and, and all my leadership from the military to really lead men out of that situation, mm-hmm. you know, and to lead them from that, that breaking point and get them onto that track where if they feel like they need to redefine themselves or if they need to reevaluate what's going on in their lives or if they had a traumatic experience, whatever, that they're not alone. You know, that's, it's so important. Situations aren't, well, it's yeah. so important, Sean, as you're saying this, and I'm writing some notes here because, you know, I'm not a man, <laughs> so I didn't grow up in that environment. <laughs> but I think about the, the pressure, right, for people to perform. And so when you think about, right. you know, as you lead through, if you are in the military, right, you are gauged and you are judged and you are measured by what you achieve, what rank you achieve, what you what your goals are, right? right? So if you're going to be a pilot, you have a specific discipline training that you have to be able to achieve to say, I accomplished this, or I have a set date that I want to retire or I want to invest in, so then I can do the next thing, right? Or you become military your entire life, and, and that's okay too, but it's kind of what your path is, right? And so as you started into the military... What were your thoughts when you joined, and and how did that kind of, you know, what were your what was your belief about the military when you joined? You know, that's, I was just actually just talking about this uh, a few days ago with a uh, a very good friend of mine who's still in the military, and uh, you know, he kind of we're very close, and uh, we talk leadership all the time, you know, and uh, you know, he had asked me like, you know, we're kind of just reminiscing on why we joined and stuff. And, and I joined because you know, I had a long line of family that have been in the military. Mm-hmm. And I always wanted to be that fighter pilot. I'm the kid that watched Top Gun and was like, I got to do that. <laughs> I have to do that. <laughs> I'm that kid, okay? I'm that kid. Mm-hmm. I, since I was six years old, I've studied aviation, especially military aviation. And I was like, I have to do that. Mm-hmm. That is what I, I have to do that. It was I was drawn to it. You know, I was even made fun of as a kid saying like, oh my God, here's an airplane guy. Oh my gosh, you're talking about airplanes again, you know. <laughs> it just, that was just what I needed to do. And um, when I joined, I joined September 12, 2000. And again, I, I, was, I was born and raised in New York City. And so, you know, you don't really have, you don't have any air bases around. You have a big air base in, in McGuire Air Force Base in, in New Jersey, but you never see fighter jets or anything. But it was just, just what I was drawn to. And, um, you know, I joined September 12, 2000. And my goal was to be, I had the plan all laid out. My goal was to be, I was going to be the cool fighter pilot. I was going to go to school, get my, my degree. I was going to fly for the airlines. You know, I was going to do both and, you know, be, be this really cool dude. And, but then a lot of that changed. A lot of that changed uh, after I went into basic training and just my thought process started changing as I was getting older. And I went to basic training. I didn't go when I was 18. I went when I was 23. Mm-hmm. So I was already older. And um, so, but 9-11 truly changed everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know you, some people hear about that, but especially those who really like went through it and those who had connections in the city. You know, I have several connections in the city. I have several friends who lost friends. I have several friends who are fire firefighters who lost friends and down there. And I actually saw the devastation firsthand three days after the event. Mm. So when I was there, I saw a lot of families. I saw a lot of all the faces. I mean, I, to this day, I can remember, you know, 
the smells and just the, the pictures and everything. And that right there said, you know what? I have to do this because it's something bigger than myself. Mm. This is something that's bigger than myself. And I have to do this because of that. I can't put my selfish reasons as to why I put on the uniform to go be a cool fighter jet pilot or whatever. But this is something that needs to be done because of the people out there, the people that, you know, and my base was right by, uh, you know, just civilian road and nobody, I mean, you see hundreds of cars pass by, you know, on the fence line and stuff. And not many people knew that we were there. I mean, they would see the jet flying, so mm-hmm. you can't miss that 16 mm-hmm. line over your head. But, uh, you know, I would sit there and think like, how many people actually know me or, or know where I am or know that we live, that we work here. Mm-hmm. And not many people do, not many people did. And that to me made me think like, you know, that, that, that was, the pinnacle for me to be anonymous, but know that they knew that we were there after that, they knew we were there mm-hmm. and they knew that they felt safe and they knew that we were on the clock and we could get, get a, get the job done. Mm-hmm. And that's what really changed for me. And that's when it really took root in my soul about, you know, being a leader, being able to do something that's greater than myself to add value to other people because you know, when things like that happen, you know, you have to have the people mm-hmm. that are willing to go into that fire. You have to willing the people to go into that, that, you know, the danger zone to, to make things happen, to protect the innocent who can't do it and, mm-hmm. and who shouldn't have to do it, you know? And, and so that's, that's where that really came from. And when I was, and, and that's really what drove me after that. And that's what really, really drove me in, in my career. And, uh, you know, I didn't become a fighter pilot, but I did get to fly an F-16. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, you know, when I did in my flying career with the Air Force as a flight engineer on KC-10, it still, every single day, it resonated with me. So every time I put on that uniform, I was like, I knew that someone was, you know, counting on me. And uh, especially after I became a dad and stuff, I, you know, I knew that my kids were depending on me. Yep. And I had, and, and that's what was that driving force to me going to work every single day and knowing that I was making a difference. Man, you just, um, so, whew, that was a lot of great stuff. <laughs> when we talk about, you know, and I, I just kind of can visualize your energy and your path and keeping people protected. I mean, you think about men, influencing men as leaders, right? And so when you think about all the, um, these experiences that you've had, being in the environment, maybe somebody that was a fighter pilot or training to be this that was in Texas had a different experience than you that were so close to what was going on in 9-11, right? That, that really right. made a difference for you because you were so intimately involved in those people's lives and you could see the changes and what right. they needed. And when you just said danger zone, it kind of sent off this red flag in me. Like, you know, men are so in our society today. It's the men that are really the ones that people look to as if something tragic happens, if, you know, uh, the family is built on the career of of the male role, right? Being able to protect and and drive the success of the family. And so when you say danger zone, and you think about your focus right. on men's leadership training, it's kind of that that whole synonymous, you know, message of 
don't get into the danger zone. Be able to protect, be able to lead, be able to influence your family so that you don't have to go into the danger zone, right? That's um, (laughs) that's a pretty clear message. Pretty awesome, Sean. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, but... You know, it, it really comes down to, and, and it really does come down to, you know, honestly, knowing who you are. But a lot of the times when you go through traumatic episodes, you, you have to you have to reinvent yourself. You have to change yourself. You know, I, I saw a meme the other day. It was like a, it was a worm and a butterfly. And it said, you know, the worm was looking at the butterfly saying, you changed. And the butterfly saying, yeah, yeah, that's, that's you know, what it's all about. <laughs> you know, you, you're supposed to change. You're supposed to evolve. <laughs> as you get older, you know, cause the things that you like when you're 40 are completely different when you like when you're 20, mm-hmm. like there's no way you're going to catch me going to a club, you know, <laughs> and now that I'm 41, <laughs> there's no way, you know what I mean? I'd much rather sit around at, you know, at a local dive bar, just listening to music or just watching a sports game or something, or even just sitting at home, you know, I just, just the way it is. The and, values um, change, right? You know, the, but yeah. But talk, yeah, yeah talk. absolutely. You, you value, absolutely. You talk. value things, especially when you go through those experiences. Well, exactly. And I want you to kind of talk about, I'm real curious about your thoughts on this. So men, um, you know, in our society, in the past, right, we're still kind of, you know, our middle age. And so when you think about people in our generation that think, okay, I've done this, I may be up to the point where in five or 10 years, I may be thinking about my next phase of my life, right? My kids may be getting into schools. They may be getting into colleges. They may be getting married. Um, They may, you know, some of us, they may be having grandkids, but it's changing that focus in your life so that maybe all these things that you've always thought you were good at or that you were in a corporate job or you were in you know, that phase of your life that you didn't have the choices you thought to be able to change that could influence your future, you know, everybody has the potential to do that. They can pivot, right, understanding what their right. strengths are. And so when you when you say focusing on men's leadership, it, it immediately thinks, um, brings to my mind people that have been encouraged by their families, you know, that you're going to do this. This is your path. And maybe maybe that's not for them. Or maybe, you know, you go into the military and you say, I really want to be a, be a fighter pilot, but I didn't pass the test or I didn't get to, you know, I didn't qualify for whatever it was, right, to be able to do and live that dream. Right. So finding that own inner spirit that says, what is it that you can connect to that you can still be that protector, right, that you can still be that person that influences and changes your direction and has the power to live your life of success. That's that's kind of the key, right? Because few of us know from the very beginning of when we were born where our direction's going to go and stay on that same path. It's it is that constant change from that worm to that butterfly. <laughs> and and you have to be open to that, right? You got to be open to that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you definitely. I mean, you know, you, you definitely, like I said, you know, things that you want differently, as, you know, when you're 20 and you're changing, you know, when you're 40, you know, but even when I went through the process of becoming a fighter pilot, you know, and I still tried to become a fighter pilot, but, you know, there was something in my heart saying, man, you know, I don't like this process. It's just, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. And this wasn't really what I was probably cut out to be. And, and even though I became a private pilot and I love flying, you know, but there's a different type of flying when you're flying fighters and then when you're flying 
you know, like an airliner or if you're flying assessments just for yourself, you know, mm-hmm. th- there's a different, there's a different aspect, you know, there's different things. Just like when you drive a car, you know, you have your race car drivers, you have your NASCAR drivers, you have your <laughs> car drivers, and you have guys that are just truck drivers, you know, mm-hmm. just everyday drivers, you know, there's a different type of driving that you want, it's a different thing to expect. And then, you know, what I impart on my kids, I especially my son, you know, I tell them, you can be whatever you want. But whatever you want to be and whatever you choose to be, you got to give it 100%. Because if you're not giving it 100%, you're not, you're not blessing the world with your talent. Mm-hmm. And no matter what those talents are, no matter what you find, you have to really, you know, dig deep and, and, and go for it. Because if you don't, then you're selling yourself short. And you're really disrespecting God because he gave you all this talent and all this stuff and to kind of figure out in such a beautiful way through life and through all these different experiences as who you are and how you're going to share with the world, you know, love and, and leadership and, and that value, you know, if you don't, if you don't give it your all to try and really figure that out or to eliminate these stigmas and, and, and not give the power to the people who just want to keep you down, mm-hmm. then, you know, what's the point of life? You're not living life. You know, it's kind of what Les Brown says, you know, there's people that, you know, are born at 25, you know, they, you know, they die at 25, they just wait till they're 65 to their birth, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's the truth. You know, there's a lot of people that, that do that, you know, and society just kind of beats you down to that point. And you don't want to be that. You don't want to be there. You don't want to be that that person, you know. And now well, there's so much information at our fingertips that it becomes even more difficult. Mm-hmm. It becomes even more difficult to really figure out what it is you want because there's so much out there. There's so much information out there that it just becomes this bunch of noise. And, uh, you know, I, that's why I teach with a lot of my, a lot of my students that I teach, uh, the OODA loop concept stands for observe, orient, decide, and act. This is actually how we teach fighter pilots how to think. And it's, it's a brainchild of Colonel John Boyd back in the fifties. But basically, I mean, we do it every day, but I teach it to on a level where it'll break everything down to eliminate the anxiety, eliminate depression, eliminate the, the other factors of when you go through, you know, environments or a stressful situation, mm-hmm. you know, you observe what's coming in, you get all that information. It's your information gathering phase. You just kind of, you know, weed out all that nonsense information because, you know, you, 60, 60 to 70% of the information that you get is either wrong and broken or just completely, you know, false information. Mm-hmm. So, you know, then you got to orient yourself in the best possible direction. And then once you, and once you orient yourself, you know, you're filling those voids of that misinformation with actual true information because, that's you being that tactician on the ground, getting that information, getting that hard intel. And then you decide what's best for you, and then you act on that. And then you re-enter the loop again because whatever you acted on may have not have been what's best for you, but you learned something. Mm-hmm. And then now you're observing what you learned of what's better for you, and you kind of create yourself over again, and you evolve. And that's how we help each other evolve. I love that. That's a really easy thing for people to remember, right? Stop and observe. Yeah. So any situation, this can be a, a great training lesson for anything that you're doing, career, family, social, you know, anything that is affecting you in your life, trying to stop and observe, then figuring out the direction, right? And then making that decision and then yeah. acting. Uh, that's really, really a great process. So, um, wow. So tell me about, what happens when it's difficult for you to go through these situations? So the times that you have fear about walking into, you know, observing it, understanding that what's going on, but then 
trying to figure out how to orient yourself into a different direction. Talk about Sean going through this. Yeah, all right. You know, when when I was going through my divorce, uh, it was it was probably that was probably one of the most difficult things, if not the most difficult thing for me to, to deal with, because at the time um, I was having to be transitioned out of the military, and uh, you know my enlistment was coming up, and, and I was also having doubts as to how long I wanted to stay in the military. I mean, I, I think I'm going to probably get back in as a, as a reservist because just so I can finish my 20, it was one of my goals. So I'm definitely going to you know, finish that up. But, um, it's just that, uh, at, at the time I wasn't sure where I fit in that place at the time. I didn't know where I was fitting. And so that was very uncertain. And then my now current, my ex-wife, you know, we were going through issues and there was a lot of, you know, infidelity and, and, and lack of trust and, and loss of trust there than having such a big family that we had. Um, and then literally signing my resignation February 8th and then five days later signing, you know, my divorce papers, February 13th of 2018. Mm. It was, it was just like a one, two combination. So my whole world was just spinning. And so I was like, I, I no longer had my career. I didn't, didn't know what to do. And now my family was torn apart. What I did was I really ducked down into what really drove me, which was my faith. And on February 17th, I was baptized in my church, in South Jersey, Fusion Church. And it really gave me that direction that I needed, you know, and understood because you know, God gave me all these opportunities to be able to be a leader and to really capitalize on that, you know, especially like, you know, finding out how to, you know, become a JMT member, you know, being part of the John Maxwell team mm-hmm. and, and learning so much, you know, through his books and, and, and all that stuff and, and, and immersing myself into leaders like John Maxwell. Mm-hmm. But when you're in the moment like that, when you're in a moment like this and your, your, your life is getting turned upside down, you know, especially as a man, as men, we have the innate ability of being fixers. Mm-hmm. We have to fix a situation. And when there's a situation that is unfixable, that you can't feel like you can't fix it, it creates such an enormous pressure and anxiety that you're just like, you know, you still are struggling to find that answer you're trying to find why. Mm-hmm. And when oftentimes the answer why isn't is completely irrelevant and the actual answer is just the actual disintegration of whatever it is that you're in. Mm-hmm. That is like the answer. But that feels you know, like a I failure under, though. I, you know, that that's the thing. What you just said is so important because the actual disintegration of the thing that you're having the trouble with right? Letting go and just knowing that this process is kind of over. Like this is the next step and that you've got to grow through it to be able to change and experience the next phase. And sometimes that is not easy because what we saw, right, for generations, we saw these families, and and I just think about this because you just talked about divorce, right? But we, we think about families of you have to be a couple together and stay together for your kids and do all these things that, um, you know, right. is the leave it to beaver lifestyle, right? That we've watched on TV as we were growing up or, or these, this media, right? This influence of media that this is the, <laughs> that if yeah, you don't yeah. live up to this perfect yeah, I mean, world that you don't fit into society. And it's like, that's not what it's about. You're supposed to be able to learn and observe and pivot and understand that, you know, maybe where you began isn't where you're going to end and it's okay. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the biggest thing about transition. And that's the biggest thing about 
especially with men, with that stigma is that, you know, and again, I think it's even in our, in today's society, I think it's even more highlighted because, Mm -hmm. you know, 40, 50 years ago, it was completely different. You didn't have the information that was flowing at a constant rate at like, you know, every second there's a new update. You have to, you know, and I mean, if you just look at the the news media itself, Mm -hmm. you know, now you go on the internet and you can hit billions of different types of news sites. You know, you're going to get a flood of information. Mm-hmm. Back 20, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, you had like only like three or four channels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and then mm-hmm. that's where you were getting your news from, where you were reading it from a newspaper or that, you know. So the reliability was was a little bit more. You know, they, people had to work harder to make sure that their integrity was intact. And where now everyone's opinion is being taken as the industry standard. And, and that creates this feeling of if I don't get it right right now, then I'm going to be this complete failure and I'm done. Where back then, 50 years ago, it was okay to fail. It was okay to get wrong. And it was actually, it wasn't frowned upon to sit there and look at you and say, you know what? I'm owning this. I own this. I was wrong. And I learned from it. Now I'm moving on. I mean, if you look through history, there's, you know, you, you, you always fail your way to success. I mean, Les Brown says that you fail your way to success. You, you look at, you know, the Wright brothers, how many times <laughs> they were, they built bicycles. Mm-hmm. These guys built bicycles. They had no business building airplanes, okay? They had no business building airplanes. They were building bicycles. And then they ended up building an airplane and they, they changed the world, mm-hmm. okay? You look at Thomas Edison, you know, how many times he failed. He, he didn't fail, he just found different ways how not to build a light bulb. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you're failing your way to success, but today <clears throat> failure is looked at this really dirty word and that this taboo word where it should be embraced. And that's where the Uru comes in and that's what I teach it. You embrace that uncertainty. You have to embrace that uncertainty. If you're not embracing that uncertainty, then that's when things get out of control. That's when you think you try, when you're holding on tighter, you're holding on tighter and you think about that you know, the story, you know, when, if you're, if you're holding on too tight with that rope as you're, you're coming down, you know, you're just going to burn your hand all oh the way gosh, through. Yeah. You know, you got to kind of, you got to let it go. You know, you mm-hmm. got, you got to let it go. You got to let go of that friction. And then you kind of understand, you kind of sit back and you, you know, while that other person is sitting on their butt, you know, because they fell down and you're just sitting there laughing because, you know, Hey, you're not going to get hurt because now you learn, you know, you're not going to have to do that, you know, so you don't have to do that to win. And, so you have to, you have to fail. Failure is part of the process. What a great and visual. I, I love the visual. I love the visual. Don't hold on to the rope so tight that you're going to burn your hands. You know, that. don't we yeah. all do that? Absolutely. All the time. I mean, we do that all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it, you know, we teach our kids, don't touch the stove because it's going to get hot, you know, but, you know, they're, they're going to be curious. They're going to get, it, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But you have to embrace it when that happens. You have to embrace it when that happens. It, it, then things are just going to be out of your control. You know, when my son, when he broke his wrist, I'll be honest with you, I freaked out. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but then he was just so cool and relaxed. I was like, I learned so much in that in that moment that he's like, hey man, you know what? I'm going to get this really cool cast, you know? And, you know, he's, he's a huge Avengers fan. So, you know what? I, I painted, you know, Captain America's logo on his on his elbow. You know, he had, he had a half a cap and stuff and, and all this. You know, so he embraced it. He yeah. embraced it. You got to teach them to embrace that difference, to embrace that, you know, 
the, the, the different situations and to embrace it when you did wrong so that we can learn from it. And then you can teach it. That's where value comes in. That's where value is added. Value isn't added because you learned something and you did it right the first time. And so now you're teaching that. That's awesome. That's called luck. You know, you, that's called luck. Okay. It, it, you, you, but you're not learning a lesson. You really aren't. You know, one of the best stories I'll ever tell in, in my career was early on in my career when I was, you know, because the F-16 is a multi-role fighter. So, uh, you know, as a crew chief, I'm responsible for everything that happens on the airplane, literally from putting air in the tires to removing landing gear, engines, you know, and then jumping in it, starting it up after I put it all back together and making sure everything works properly. You know, there's thousands of moving parts. So I remember one of my trainers coming to me, and, and this is like, literally like maybe a month after I came back from my formal training and he's like, Hey, so, um, what's the, uh, total nose pressure tire uh, for the nose tire? And I was like, I looked at him. I was like, okay, I said, Sarge, you know, it's, you know, 200, 275 PSI. He goes, sure. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's the jet light, you know? And he's like, he's like, all right. He goes, uh, when you find that answer, you tell me. I was like, now, now he got me thinking. I'm like, man, I was like, cause I thought I was right. Because I, I, I was like, I know the book. I knew the book. I knew the manual. It said 435. But what I didn't look at was that I didn't look at the configuration of the airplane, that it had a targeting pod. Mm. And with that targeting pod, there's a little note right under the tire pressure table saying, if there's a targeting pod installed on station 5A or 5B, the new tire pressure has to be at maximum PSI, plus or minus 5 PSI. And I'm like... Well done. <laughs> you know, it's like, I never, ever forgot that. I never, ever forgot that. And that's something that I always taught my trainees. So when they came, that's the, one of the first things I'll teach them. I'm like, hey, so what's the nose tire PSI? They're like, oh, Sarge, you know what? It's, it's good. You know, we're it's at, you know, 70 degrees today. It looks light. I'm like, yeah, what's it at? Oh, we're at 290. We're perfect. I'm like, you sure? Yeah, I might want to double check that, you know? So it's like, it's something that's going to, pass on because I passed that knowledge on because the value that I learned from doing it wrong and from getting it wrong. Mm-hmm. And I, I embraced it and mm-hmm. I embraced it. And that, that's why it became such a valuable lesson because I talked them say, Hey man, this is what can happen to this airplane. You know, I don't want you on that carpet explaining to that pilot's, you know, significant other that the reason why they're in the hospital or hurt or, even worse, because you you didn't take the time to learn how to do it right, because you were you were not humble enough to to accept that you did it wrong, mm. and it's okay. Wow, you know, and 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 I I tell my I tell my guys and my gals all that all the time. Ask ask questions. Mm. It doesn't matter because I'd much rather you get it wrong and be humble than get it right and think that you're perfect. You know what a great lesson because so many times if we just close our eyes we think about you know, the vulnerability, right, of, of saying, well, I don't want to look like I don't know what I'm doing. So having people, and I right. hate this, but, you know, I think Martha Stewart was the one that was like, fake it till you make it, right? And that's really not what it's about. It's being able to step into and learning, hey, if I don't understand something, having that capacity in your brain to condition yourself to say, hey, I need to understand this so that I can learn and I can be better and I can give back to other people so that I can add value to the situation. And so that's what you're teaching, Sean, from all the things that you've just taken us through 
uh, what an amazing guy you are to be able to step into your purpose now and say, you know, I've learned a lot. You know, being trained in the military gives you some level of discipline. But you can't just say, just because you sign up in the military, you are disciplined. You have to be able to bring that into your life, right? And so what you've learned is kind of letting your environment speak to you and walking through how do you change and how do you make impact in your life through those changes. So now you can teach others about that. And and you're really, you have a gift. And so I am excited that we have connected. I really appreciate you and... And sharing the story and knowing that we're John Maxwell team people, I mean, we know what that with now 21,000 plus members in a room, right? <laughs> that energy. <laughs> but what an amazing, amazing journey. Tell me um, a couple of thoughts. I, I want to be able to make sure people can connect to you. I know you have a podcast and, and one that you're uh, involved with with another partner, but tell my listeners, how can we connect to Sean Romero? Yes. Um, so you guys can find me on Facebook, um, uh, with faithfully led. And, uh, also you can find me on Instagram with the same faithfully led led, uh, or you can email me directly at Sean at Sean at faithfully led.com. If you want to know more, if you want to, you know, schedule any kind of like coaching sessions with me and, uh, and to develop masterminds and, and be a part of my masterminds that I'm developing, but, uh, you know, check out my podcast, faithfully led, uh, I'll, I'll give you guys the link. And um, also, I'm a co-host for uh, High Impact Leadership with my, my good friend, Patrick Walsh. Uh, go ahead and, and download that also. And, uh, you know, for, for everyone, I'll have uh, an ebook link, a free ebook on, on the OODA loop. So that way you can kind of just understand it, read it. It's a quick read to understand, like, what it is and to really how to incorporate it in your everyday life. So, you know, that'd be my gift to everybody. So, you know, you guys can go ahead and click on that and download that. That's awesome. I will I will include that in the show notes for everybody. Um, and then iTunes, Google Play, all of these areas is what they can um, connect to, obviously, if they're listening to this. But uh, we will, we will yeah. definitely push this out, Sean. And I really appreciate your time this morning. I know we're, you know, we're kind of at the end of the segment and it just, it pains me because I could talk to you for hours <laughs> because you yeah. have so much to share. But I guarantee this won't be the last time that we connect. So, um, thank you very Amen. much. You so oh, much. man. Thanks for coming on the program. And keep us informed of what's going on in your life. I hope you can come February 29th to the Leadership Summit here in Indianapolis. We would love to have you be a part of that. Yeah, I'll definitely be a part of it. You can, get, you can, you can guarantee it. You can just put, take that to the bank. I'll be there. Fantastic. Fantastic. We'll have a great weekend, uh, a wonderful 2019, and we will be in touch very soon. Outstanding. Thank you, Melanie. I appreciate it again. Thank you so much. God bless you. Okay. Thanks. Hi, I'm Melanie Ake with Everyday Leaders. I wanted to invite you to join my leadership class. It's Life Strategies 101, where I'm going to take you through the everyday 15 laws of growth. It's an amazing journey. It's 15 weeks with me as your personal coach. Join me, everydayleaders.com, and sign up today.